take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha. This is the Cultivating Empty Field session 2021, and the last full talk, and it's called As If Love Was the Point. Body sitting. Breathing, hearts beating, blood pumping, nerves tingling, eyes seeing, ears hearing, thoughts thinking, awareness aware. And as we sit and do zazen, we each embody an aspect of the empty field. So it's brimming with life. Like ice melting in warm water. Hungzhir says, just resting is like all the various streams flowing into the ocean, absorbed into one flavor. Sometimes zazen is like the child dissolving in the embrace of the mother. Sometimes it's like we drop out of the mind and we drop into the heart. It's like a drawing on water. It's like a snowflake on a tongue. It's like smoothing out the wrinkles in a piece of silk. It's like this. Like this. Rumi says, lovers think, lovers think they are looking for each other, but there is only one search. Wandering this world is wandering that, both inside one transparent sky. And here there is no dogma and no heresy. Lovers think they are looking for each other, but there is only one search. The miracle of Jesus is himself, not what he said or did about the future. Forget the future. I would worship someone who could do that. On the way, you may want to look back, or not, but if you can say, there is nothing ahead, there will be nothing there. Stretch your arms. Take hold the cloth of your clothes with both hands. The cure for pain is in the pain. Good and bad are mixed. If you don't have both, you don't belong with us. When one of us gets lost, is not here, she must be inside us. There is no place like that anywhere in the world. We can't help but live out our most authentic life at this moment. Moments from now, or millions of moments from now, or thousands of moments from now, we may look back and feel that we weren't living out our most authentic life. 
And that moment of looking back like that is the authentic life of that moment. Dogen Zenji said, my life has been one continuous mistake. It wasn't the inner critic speaking. My life has been one continuous mistake. What a beautiful state of mind. You should read this person's writings. And that the beginner's mind of this person. My life has been one continuous mistake. We can't help but live out our most authentic practice at this moment and at every moment. So dismiss the inner critic who says you're not practicing well. Don't believe the hype. Catch the excuse maker with the latest rationalization for why there's a gap between what I know to be true, what I know I need to do, and what I actually do. Even if there was an all-knowing God who could pronounce judgments upon you and me, would it? Wouldn't it know we can't help but live out our most authentic life at this moment? We're seeing, thinking, and being what this place of seeing and thinking and being sees, thinks, and bees. But there isn't any stasis. There is no standstill. There is no solid mind or person. The world is a solvent. The world is its own solvent. David White said it like this, the world has a fierce need to change you. Impermanence. You could say we bend or we break. We bend or we break. Right now you can be this flow or resist. These are both forms of being authentic. The world's still changing us, but the consequences are different. The quality is different. Even our resistance is the world changing us. The school of life. Life is the school of life. The Zazen period that never begins, and so it never ends. Can you graduate from the school of life? Isn't it hard to say which are the teachers and which are the students? So this authentic life, this authentic practice is not an arrival or a completion. There aren't any borders to yourself. There are no borders to the mind, like we sometimes believe. And yet this authentic life unfolds differently depending on how fully it is inhabited, how fully it is seen. This is practice. Fully inhabiting our life and seeing. And to see and be the authentic result of fully inhabiting and seeing. Hongjir said, a person practicing subtly goes beyond words and thoughts. Pra- pr- 
person practicing subtly goes beyond words and thoughts. I like the subtly. It's as if you just slide out of the old clothes. A person practicing subtly goes beyond words and thoughts. Instantly authentic, one is on the affirmed path and does not attach to reasoning. This moment, here, now, gone as you name it, always fresh. They also said, contemplating your own authentic form is how to contemplate awakening. Contemplating your own authentic form is how to contemplate awakening. Experience yourself without distractions. Surpass partiality. Sometimes we're not so opposed to experiencing ourselves if it feels good or experience the part of ourselves that we like. He's saying, experience yourself surpassing partiality and go beyond conceptualizing. Have you noticed that you can never see yourself in the mirror? You can't see how anyone else ever sees you in the mirror? Go beyond conceptualizing this moment, this self, gone when you name it, always fresh. So I see the function of being on this seat as speaking to the part of me and you that has spiritual life as the highest priority. We're being spoken to all kinds of voices proclaiming their version of what matters. And often the voice that says the deep heart matters, the deep matters matter is absent or it's drowned out. So we may wish to be like an ice cube melting in warm water and we do melt, but find that again we freeze. We may wish to let go of the past, and we do, and the sky is transparent, and the stories are fictions, but then we again reach for familiar ground. We may wish to open the heart, and we do, and it's so warm, and suddenly there are friends all around, but then it closes. I read so much um, Dogen when I was younger that the person I remember the most as far as Dharma quotes is that person. So it came to mind, uh, Dogen Zenji said, an awake and an asleep person share the same boat. We're in it. Is it a matter of who's got the oars? Do they take turns being captain? So this authentic life, we can't help but live. Perhaps it has the rhythm of opening and closing. Yet I would say the more we open, the more we want to open. What do you think? To stay open. You taste the clear light and ordinary beverages don't compare. 
We feel the extent to which we can be unguarded and the heart will never let us forget. The mind, almost by definition, is about forgetting that. But the heart will never let us forget. Something that I think about and contemplate is um, Harada Roshi in, in Seshin, where you are you know, ferociously encouraged and pushed to abandon yourself. At the end of Seshin, he'd say, what did you learn? What insights, what realizations did you have this week? What did you see this week that you don't want to unsee? What did you see this week that you don't want to unsee? What showed itself? What was tasted? Putting aside doubt. Doubt is this incredibly powerful thing because realizations can be doubted. Really genuine tastes of the path can be doubted. You can doubt anything. You can doubt anything. A teacher said, maybe don't start this because when you really do, you can't stop. Can we unsee something? I wonder if we can turn away from it, if we can do not looking. But won't we know that we're doing that? In practice, it seems there's a movement towards some kind of consummation, like lots of things. Even when we are not so interested in the goal, we might have been when we began, once we get in them, there's like some movement towards consummation, as if the, the, we're not the only force involved. The desire doesn't reside only here. It's as if each, as if each cycle of the process wants to complete itself. We talk about practice sometimes as a path or a road. Path is kind of romantic sounding. I'm on the path, the spiritual path. In the midst of walking the road, we can forget all about where and when we are and where we're going. Kind of like when a grueling hike actually becomes enjoyable is when you forget that you got to keep going, you forget how long it's going to take, and then you're smack dab in the middle. And someone who doesn't really get hiking, why subject yourself to pain when you could drive? <laughs> but when I forget that, when I'm when I in the midst of the walking. This is one of practice's blisses. This is a bit of an aside, to be lost to time. To let waiting slip through your fingers. You can be aware of waiting. 
The waiting that happens in zazen is actually not all that different than the waiting that happens when you're in a line. The same idea is functioning. The purpose of this is to get to the end. And so whatever's between here and there is not all that interesting. Not this guy, right? Not these magazines. Maybe the candy. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is the end. You can live a whole life like that. Kind of a tragedy, right? It's only like point A and point Z that we value. So one of meditation's blisses is to be lost to time. To let waiting slip through your fingers. To feel the tug of time. The weight of I did or I will do. It's more than just thoughts. It's more than just the thoughts about the past and the future. There are those thoughts because the feeling, we're still in the belief that there is such a thing in the way we normally conceive it. So in the midst of walking, we can forget all about where and when we are and where we're going. I remember um, the hell of my first session, and the only thing that helped me is the guy who gave me beginning instruction said, if you take it one moment at a time, you'll be just fine. So in the midst of walking, we can forget all about even walking, where we are and where we're going. And yet a step on a road is a step on the destination of the road at the same time. It's one road. Perhaps that's why we don't need to think about destination. On a road, every step is upon the starting, the middle, and the destination all at the same time. It's one road. It's undivided. Here is there. It's one piece. So the destination touches us here. But also the destination never becomes here. We never see it. We never arrive. Because at every here, we're touched by the destination. It's one road. It's undivided. Every step we touch, it's the beginning of the path. If you turn around and look at the beginning, it's no longer behind you. Then that's what you're facing. There is something in spiritual practice about the call of unfinished business. Sometimes people talk about karma like this. Something about the loose ends of the heart. That kind of seems like a contradiction. That it's one road, one path, and the destination becomes the beginning, and that there's such a thing as unfinished business. Something about the loose ends of the heart. You hear about people going through the dying process. And people die differently, but sometimes you hear about the um, resentments that surface. Or the unsaid that wants to be said. 
maybe it only gets said in the way the will is assembled or how the inheritance comes down. That's how what wanted to be said is said, but the unsaid wants to be said and the tasks that say complete me. And you hear about people dying who seem to wind down and fade out and cross over with a clean wake of love, with grace. I feel like I've seen that. And both those people happen to be longtime practitioners of this. People don't die the same. Probably death is the same. We've been chanting all unskillful karma ever, is it created by me? Committed. committed. You commit karma. That sounds really heavy. <laughs> all unskillful karma ever created by me. Now, sorry. <laughs> now I atone for it all. You can do that because it's one road. Now I atone for it all at one even with the unskillful actions yet to happen. At one with the unskillful actions we sometimes see as gone. Zen practice is uh, multidimensional. And it includes being born and dying. And it's hard to say which is which. Here, now, this moment. It's gone as soon as that is said, but yet it's there fresh. In this moment, which is the body? Which is the world? Is this moment arising or disappearing? Is the future coming towards you or is the present going away? So like the dying person who instinctively desires to tie up loose ends. That's interesting given a lot of people at least say they believe they, believe they go from on to off. Like the dying person who instinctively desires to tie up loose ends. Like the dying person who can finally let go when that thing was said or that person has gone. Have you ever heard about that too? Some moment, there's a moment when it's the right moment to slip through. Like this, because we're a dying person, like this, to die into our rebirths, to surrender to that worlds need to change us, we have to atone. We amend, we release. I think atonement is not hidden, although it's not completely all revealed. What haunts us won't leave us at peace. What calls us back as we get heart deep in the silence? 
the real thorns of the past, the real grudges being carried from day to day, or the thing that needs to be done, the thing that is we are pregnant with that needs to be brought forth. What haunts us? What won't leave us at peace? In thinking about atonement, you could say there are two levels to this. Past, present, and future are, are at one, at one meant when we fully see and accept, we fully inhabit. How do we know we're fully inhabiting or how do we know we fully accept? But we fully see and accept and we fully inhabit and that's the zazen of at one feeling what we have to feel. It's the authentic practice of at least that moment. Feeling what we have to feel, except in this at one there is no have to. In the at one of zazen, we're not subject to anything. Just feeling at one, this one meant. I had an insight that someone I respect said, duh, that's what teachers always say. So-and-so has been saying that for decades, but I didn't get it until recently. It's kind of cool that that happens, actually. We can change the past. We do change the past. All the time we change the past. It's one road. Now you could go down a rabbit hole about how constructed memory is, of course, and how every time you reflect on something you believed happened, it's a new creation. But I'm talking about something a little bit different. We change the past by changing the result of the past. This is the result of the past. If you change this, you change what the past is. Because this is the past. I reach for a, an image or a metaphor. Suppose a field is cultivating. Many people are working hard to raise flowers and vegetables. And the crop is neglected and it goes to rot. And so from all that cultivation, what came was neglect and rot. And rotting vegetables smell terrible. They're terrible. It's a smell we very quickly try to get rid of. But if instead someone composted those vegetables and used it to raise a new crop, it changes the result of that past. All that hard work has a new outcome because of those actions because of that composting. Yet it's not static. The result of that past, the present, can change again. Someone gets sick off cultivating zucchini bread. Then someone tends to them. The sick someone gets tended to and then offers gratitude back. 
sitting here now, be at one with what you are, no opposition. You can't give any meditation instruction that isn't dualistic, but don't separate is pretty good. Don't separate. No opposition, welcome at all. In this moment of no opposition, everything, everything gone through caused this peace. Everything gone through is peace itself, because this is the past. The road is undivided. Inhabit this moment. We only think that we're not inhabiting this moment. Inhabit this moment. The whole beginningless, edgeless universe is inhabited. We don't live in a broken world. All the birth and death, all the love and war is the cause of this inhabitation. It could be otherwise, but it can't be because we're not separate. Moment by moment, a body and mind appear and disappear. Yet the power of practice always matures. Dogen Zinji. Inhabiting what we are and what is sourcing what we are we understand something of how others are what they are and what is sourcing them. All of us, in one way or another, are in the helping profession. And one of the great mysteries is, as soon as you come to at one with something of life, People who could use help doing that come out of the woodwork. That's an exaggeration, woodwork. They come forward. Atone, amend, and release. They come together. Sometimes being at one means we write a letter. I'm sorry for what I did that caused you harm but with no ifs, ands, or buts. No, I was going through X, Y, Z, none of that. I'm sorry for what I did to you. Sometimes being at one means we make a phone call. It can be making a boundary or taking one down. It can be taking on something or letting something go.
What if we take living as if love was the point? Sometimes we want to we want to know that there's some like ultimate meaning. But that would mean that the universe is fractured. What about living as if love was the point? In those moments, how has the past changed? Living as if love is the point, how has the future changed? In that moment, what pops out and what recedes? The bodhisattva vow is what keeps spiritual practice from being something that amplifies our self-centeredness. It's something to watch out for. Because we can get all the more deep into me, me that wants to wake up, me that wants to see something, me that wants to be free. And maybe that's just part of the road. However, Bodhisattva vow. It doesn't mean you need to become a religious person that does good works. That's fine. We don't want it to get limited by that way of seeing. In the midst of the very life you lead, in the midst of the very life we lead, the Bodhisattva mind asks, and it nudges in its unmistakable way, what if this is lived as if love was the point? Because it's like there's always two roads. There's always a fork. It at least seems that there's a choice or there's a stepping into opening or not. At least seems that way. In the midst of the very life we lead, Bodhisattva mind asks, what if I lived this as if love was the point? And the moment points. Because life is not fractured. The moment points. And it's different each time, at least a little. In that question, we're the point for someone. And someone's the point for us too. And so we say together with all beings. And we practice together with all beings.